0: The following program is a special presentation from the Talking Information Center. Please enjoy the show.
1: Greetings from the Talking Information Center and hello to our listeners and in-studio audience here at the Richie Mahaner Community Broadcast Studio in Marshfield, Massachusetts. I'm your announcer, Joe O'Connor, and I welcome you to Talking Information Center's radio theater and its radio and podcast players, fondly known as The Rappers. Throughout the year, we perform classic plays from old-time radio. Tonight, in honor of Valentine's Day, we present The Art of Love, from two very different perspectives. First, a short comedy called The Garden of Eden, and then an all-time classic based on the beloved motion picture, Brief Encounter. For those unfamiliar with the Talking Information Center, we strive to provide access to both creative and informational content to our mobility-compromised listener base. Which is primarily made up of the elderly, the visually impaired, the disabled, and our country's veterans. Through the generosity of donors and with the help of over 200 volunteers, we broadcast the reading of over 320 national and community newspapers and magazines throughout the New England area. Contact us at TICnetwork.org or at 781 834 4400 for more information on how you can volunteer or donate to this nonprofit organization. And now it's time to lean in, listen up, and enjoy our production of The Art of Love.
0: You know that it would be untrue You know that I would be alive If I was to say to you
1: Yes, that is the famous Doors song, Light My Fire. But that's not the Doors performing. Believe it or not, it's Mae West. That's right. In 1972, at the age of 79, Mae West recorded the song for an album. And it perfectly embodies the theme of tonight's first offering. The Garden of Eden, which featured Mae West in the role of Eve when it was originally broadcast on the Chase and Sanborn Radio Hour in 1937. The sketch, written by Arch Obler, redefined the role of Eve to better suit West's sultry style. It turns the story on its head to make Eve the aggressor. It provoked a swift reaction from conservative listeners, and West was banned from NBC's radio programs until 1950. (laughs) But we just find it funny, and we hope you do too. So here's the Garden of Eden. Well, of course, we find Adam and Eve in the famous Garden of Eden, and this lighthearted travesty about what might have taken place in those days when the world was young. Under a spreading fig fig tree rests one Mr. Adam, sprawled out lazily in the hot sun. Eve, obviously, is bored beyond endurance as they play a game of cards with a deck of fig leaves.
2: Listen, tall, tanned, and tired. It's time I told you a thing or two. Ever since creation, I've done nothing but playing double solitaire. It's disgusting. It's got me down.
3: Oh, we've got a nice place here.
2: That's the trouble. It's too nice. Well...
3: I'm not complaining.
2: Hmm, but I want something to happen. A little excitement, a little adventure. A girl's gotta have a little fun once in a while. There's no future under a fig tree.
3: Aw, now, come on, woman. Be like me. Oh, why don't you relax and just take it easy,
2: huh? Hmm, cause I'm a lady of big ideas. What,
3: what kind of ideas?
2: (laughs) you've no idea. Listen, Adam, I gotta get a chance to expand my personality.
3: Well, uh, go on, uh, expand.
2: Oh, Oh, I will. Out
3: there. Out there? Uh, You mean... You mean outside the gates of the Garden of Eden?
2: Now you're talking.
3: Oh, but but who knows what's out there?
2: Hmm, I'd find out.
3: Oh, no, no. Oh, uh, we can't go. Uh, uh uh we still got a lease on this place.
2: You mean to tell me a lease is the thing that's holding me back from developing my personality? Well, uh, you know,
3: a uh, lease is a lease and anyway, we got a nice place here. Temperature perfect. Sun always shining. Nothing but a heavy dew once in a while.
2: Hmm. What are you, the Chamber of Commerce? Oh, go away. Let me sleep, will ya? Listen, Adam, I tell you, you gotta get me out of this place. You gotta break the lease. Yeah, but what for? This is Eden. Everything is peaceful and quiet and safe. That's the trouble. It's too safe. I tell you it's disgusting. What are you
3: talking about?
2: Adam, you don't know a thing about a woman.
3: Oh, you apparently forget you were originally one of my own ribs.
2: Yeah, rib once and now I'm beefing. (laughs) Me,
3: I know everything about women.
2: That's covering a lot of territory. Listen long, lazy, and lukewarm. You think I want to stay in this place all my life?
3: I do. And I tell you, you're one of my ribs. Yeah, but I'm one of your floating ribs.
2: A couple of months of peace and security and a woman's board all the way down to the bottom of her marriage certificate. Well,
3: then what do you want?
2: Trouble? Trouble. <laughs> Listen, if trouble means something that makes you catch your breath, if trouble means something that makes your blood run through your veins like seltzer water, mmm, out of my man, give me Trouble.
3: Aw, oh, Eve, you don't want trouble.
2: No, oh, now tell me the low-down truth. Ain't there any way you can break our lease?
3: Uh, well, uh, uh, yes, there is, but I won't tell you. No? No, this is paradise. Free light, free heat, free meals. What else could a man want? Answer me that.
2: Hmm, I got a couple of good ideas if you'll tell me how to break the lease.
3: No, I won't do it.
2: Oh. Adam. What? Come on over here.
3: Uh, What for? To hold hands?
2: (laughs) That old game. Can't you think of something new? (sighs) You know, you know nothing about nothing.
3: Oh, yes, I do. I know more than you do, woman.
2: Oh, what for instance?
3: Well, I know all about the tree.
2: What tree, man? What tree?
3: Uh, That apple tree in the middle of the garden. The lease says that if we eat any of its fruit, we get thrown out of here.
2: Oh, now, is that a fact?
3: Sure. That's why there's a fence around it. I tell you, one bite of those apples and we get a dispossess.
2: Hmm. How fascinating. Adam, you can hold my hand now.
3: No, no, no. I got a better idea.
2: Oh, yeah? I'm listening. I'm waiting. Well, what are you going to do now?
3: I think I'll go fishing.
2: How disgusting!
3: Now wait a minute! You can't talk to me that way. Do you realize I'm man number one?
2: Yeah, but are you number one, man? Uh huh. Oh, I'll
3: see you around supper time. I'll be back.
2: Oh, so that's the trouble. So it's the tree over there. Hmm. Hello, tree. How would you like to do a little lease breaking for a woman with ideas? Not room enough to squeeze through those slats for a woman of my personality. Now, if I only knew someone skinny enough.
4: Salutations, Mrs. Eve. Oh,
2: if it isn't Mr. Snake. Hello, long, dark, and slinky.
3: Mrs. Eve, why are you standing by that tree? Well, stop
2: wiggling and I'll tell you. Listen, I know you don't approve. But i got a little proposition to make.
4: I certainly refuse to listen. What
2: is it? Do you think, uh, with a proper provocation, you could squeeze through that fence around the tree?
4: That's the forbidden tree.
2: Don't be technical. Answer me this, my palpitating python. Would you like to have this whole paradise to yourself? Certainly. Okay. Then pick me a handful of fruits. Adam and I will eat it, and the Garden of Eden is all yours. What do you say?
4: Sounds all right, but it's forbidden fruit.
2: Listen, what are you, my friend in the grass or a snake in the grass?
4: But forbidden
2: fruit. Are you a snake or are you a mouse? I'll I'll do it. Hmm, now you're talking. Here, right in between those pickets. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Help me in. Oh, shake your hips. There. There. Now you're through.
4: I shouldn't Whoa. be doing this.
2: Yeah, but you're doing all right. Now, get me a big one. I feel like doing a big apple.
4: Here you are, Mrs. Whoa.
2: Eve. Mm, oh, I see. Nice going, swivel hips.
4: Wait a minute. It won't work. Adam will never eat that forbidden Whoa.
2: apple. <laughs> oh, yes, he will when I'm through with it. Nonsense! He won't. He will if I feed it to him like what women are going to feed men for the rest of time. What's that?
3: Applesauce. <laughs> Eve? Where are you, Eve?
2: Mm, waiting, my love. Just waiting. oh, oh well, hello, Eve. Oh, what have you been doing? Me? Oh, I've just been making a little history. Huh? The first woman to make a monkey out of a snake.
3: Uh, say, how about supper? And don't tell oh. me we got fig stew again.
2: Oh, no. Something new. So help me, something new. Here, have a bite of this. Well, what is it? It's a new kind of sauce. It's good for you. Uh, are you sure? Mm, just to prove it's pure, 100% proof, I'll have a demi toss of it myself. All right, I'll. No. No, wait. Before you eat, answer me this. Are you going to take me out of this dismal dump and give me a chance to develop my personality?
3: Oh, Eve, are you going to start that over again?
2: No, I'm going to end it. Eat your sauce, big boy. And hold your hat, if you got one.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Say, this is darn good sauce. Uh, Where'd you find it? Oh, my head! What? Oh! Oh! What happened to me?
2: Hmm. We've been dispossessed. Yeah,
3: but... but why? Forbidden applesauce. Oh, Eve, what have you done?
2: I've just made a little more history, that's all. I'm the first woman to have her own way, and a snake will take the rap for it. But... but, Eve, we've
3: lost the Garden of Eden. We're... we're... we're just... Eve, it's it's as if I see it for the first time. You're beautiful.
2: Mm, and you fascinate me. Oh,
3: your eyes.
2: Oh, tell me more.
3: Your, your lips. Come closer. Oh, I want to hold you closer. I want to.
2: You want to what? Mm. What's that? That was the original kiss.
0: <laughs> you know that it would be untrue. You know that I would be alive. If I was to say to you.
1: Okay, and now part two of our program. Brief Encounter started life as a one-act play called Still Life by the noted British playwright Noel Coward. In 1945, it was turned into a film by David Lean, who became known later for big-budget epics like Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. But it was this hermetic, intimate drama that first brought him to the attention of the public after garnering the award for Best Film at the 1946 Cannes Film Festival. As recently as 2017, a poll for Time Out magazine saw it ranked as the 12th best British film ever. Several adaptions for radio have appeared over the years ever since. Featuring the famous theme from Rachmaninoff's Second Piano Concerto, we present Brief Encounter. It's a picture of perfect domesticity, the library of a pleasant English country home. A cheerful after-dinner fire, two comfortable chairs, and two quiet people. Laura Jessen with her evening's mending, her husband, Fred,
5: with his crossword puzzle. Laura, you're a poetry addict. See if you can help me with this. It's Keats. When I behold upon the night-starred face, huge, cloudy symbols of a high... uh, something in seven letters.
6: Romance, I think. I'm almost sure it is. Huge, cloudy symbols of high romance.
5: Yes, that's it. Fits in with delirium and Baluchistan. R-O-M-A-N-C-E. Mrs. Jesson, what would I ever do without you?
6: Oh, Fred.
5: L- Laura, what on earth's the matter? Uh,
6: nothing. It's nothing.
5: Darling, what's wrong? Tell me, please.
6: Really and truly it's nothing. I'm just a little run down, that's all. In Milford today, I had sort of a fainting spell in the refreshment room at the station. Dolly Messeter was with me, and she talked and talked until I wanted to strangle her. But still, she meant to be kind. Isn't it awful about people meaning to be kind?
5: Yes. Would you like to go to bed? No,
6: really, Fred. I'm quite all right. I'll just sit here by the fire.
5: But why a fainting spell? I can't understand it.
6: Don't be silly, darling. I'd been shopping and I was tired and the refreshment room was very hot and suddenly I felt sick. Nothing more than that.
5: All right, darling. Do you mind if I putter along with this crossword puzzle then?
6: Really, it's nothing more than that. Now, get on with your puzzle and leave me in
5: peace. Have it your own way.
6: Fred, would some music throw you off your stride?
5: Uh, No, dear. I'd like it. Why don't you turn on the wireless?
6: I have. (laughs) Fred, dear Fred, there's so much I want to say to you. You're the only one in the world with enough wisdom and gentleness to understand. And you're the only one in the world I could never tell, never. Because even if I waited until we were old people and told you then, you'd look back over the years and be hurt. Oh, my dear. I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want you to be hurt.
5: Darling, what's a five-letter word for... uh, Never mind, I've got it.
6: You're my husband, Fred. We're happily married. I must never forget that. You're my husband. This is my home. My children are upstairs in bed. This is my whole world. I couldn't ask for anything like that. I couldn't understand it. I don't think I understand it myself. I'm an ordinary woman. I didn't think such violent things could happen to ordinary people. But Fred, you see, I've fallen in love. It all started on an ordinary day in the most ordinary place in the world, the refreshment room at Milford Junction. My train wasn't due for ten minutes and I was sitting there reading. I looked up and I saw a man come in from the platform. A quite ordinary man in an ordinary coat. His hat was turned down and I didn't even see his face. He got his tea at the counter and turned. And then I did see his face. It was a rather nice face and he had a nice voice.
4: Is there any sugar, miss?
6: In the bowl, sir. Oh. Thank you. That was all Fred, just that. I must, might not have ever seen him again except just then the express came through. I went out to the platform to watch it pass and suddenly I felt a blinding pain in my eye. Oh father I thought, I've caught a cinder. And I groped my way inside to the girl at the counter. Yes ma'am, is there something you want? Oh please could you get me a glass of water, I've, I've got something in my eye and I want to bathe it. Right you are. Would you like me to have a look, Mum? Oh, don't trouble. I expect the water will do it.
0: Oh, bit of coal dust, no doubt. Can be very nasty. Man I knew lost the sight of one eye through getting a bit of grit in it. Any better, Mum? i I'm afraid not.
4: I beg your pardon. Uh, can I be of any help?
6: Oh, no, please. It's only something in my eye. Well, won't you let
4: me have a look? I happen to be a doctor.
6: Oh, it's very kind of you.
4: Oh, not at all. If you'll just turn to the light... Uh, that's fine. Now then, uh, look up, look down, hold still, I see it. If you'll lend me your handkerchief, there you are, it's out.
6: Oh, what a relief.
4: Hmm, looks like a bit of grit.
6: Yes, it was when the express went through. Oh, thank you very much indeed, it was agonizing. Well, how lucky for me that you happened to be here.
1: Anybody could have done it.
6: Yes, but you did, and I'm most grateful.
1: The train I really now arriving on Platform 3 is for Shirley, Lee Green, and Langdon. Well, there's my train. I must go. Good
4: afternoon.
6: Thank you again. Good afternoon. A little thing like that, Fred. A little grit in my eye. Really, it meant nothing to me. So little that I simply forgot it. At least I thought I had. But the next Thursday, I met him again. Good morning oh good morning
4: how's the eye
6: oh perfectly all right how kind it was of you to take so much trouble
4: oh it was nothing at all it's uh, clearing up a bit i think
6: yes yes it's going to be nice
4: well i must be getting along to the hospital
6: well i must be getting along to the grocers
4: what exciting lives we lead don't we <laughs> <laughs> well goodbye
6: goodbye Next Thursday, I had gone into Milford again, as usual, and, darling, I bought your birthday present. Terribly expensive gift, but I knew you wanted it, and having made the plunge, I, I felt reckless and gay, and I decided to go to the Cardoma Cafe for lunch. The place was very full. With a bit of luck, I got a table. And then, just as I sat down, I saw him come in. He looked tired, I thought. And there was nowhere for him to sit, so I smiled and said, Good morning. Good
4: morning. Oh, how's the eye?
6: Perfectly all right, thanks to you.
4: Oh, it's nothing at all. Um, forgive me, are you all alone?
6: Yes, I am.
4: I, would you mind if I shared your table? There doesn't seem to be anywhere else.
6: Oh, I wouldn't mind at all. Please sit down. Thank you.
4: I'm afraid we haven't been introduced properly. My name's Alec Harvey.
6: How do you do? Mine's Laura Jesson.
4: Mrs. or
6: Miss? Mrs. And you're doctor, aren't you?
4: Not a very interesting doctor. Just general practice in Shirley.
6: I see. You <laughs> started the music.
4: Music? So strange, I hadn't recognized it.
6: <laughs> <laughs> really, we shouldn't laugh. They'll see us.
4: You know, There should be a society for the prevention of cruelty to musical instruments. You don't play the piano, I hope.
6: I was forced to as a child.
4: You haven't kept it up.
6: No, my husband isn't musical at all. Uh, Good for him. Still, for all you know, I might have a tremendous burning professional talent. Oh dear, no. Why are you so sure? Because you're too
4: sane and uncomplicated.
6: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Do you come here every Thursday?
4: Yes. Stephen Lin, uh, the chief physician here, graduated with me. I take over for him once a week. Gives him a chance to go up to London and gives me a chance to study the hospital patients. I see. Do you? Do I what? Come here every Thursday.
6: Oh, yes. I do the week shopping, change my library book, have lunch, and generally go to a, see a picture. Not very exciting, but it makes a change. Are you going
4: to a picture this afternoon? Yes. How extraordinary. So am I.
6: But I thought you had to be at the hospital.
4: Well, between ourselves, I killed two patients by accident this morning. The head nurse is very displeased with me, and I simply can't go back.
6: Oh, how silly can you be?
4: (laughs) Well, seriously, I, I did get all my work done this morning. Would you mind very much if I came
6: to the pictures with you? Well...
4: I I could sit downstairs and you could sit upstairs.
6: Upstairs is too expensive for me. Well then perhaps we could Well I suppose if we each paid our own way.
4: Look here. You can't expect me to please, let you Please,
6: please. I so much rather we each paid our own. I really would.
4: Well, if you insist. I do insist. Too bad. I'd hoped you were going to treat me. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Walking back to the station, he put his hand under my arm. I didn't notice it then, but I remember it now. Not a bad
4: picture at all, though I didn't look for much with a title like that. Love in a Mist.
6: You really shouldn't have bought my ticket. It was very extravagant of you.
4: It was a famous victory. Besides, you wouldn't let me buy your lunch, so I see I made a profit on the... Oh, I beg your pardon. Have I said the wrong thing?
6: Tell me, do you feel guilty at all? Guilty? Well, perhaps you should have been working this afternoon.
4: I told you I finished my work this morning. And a little relaxation never did harm to anyone. Why should either of us feel guilty?
6: Oh, I don't know. What's she like, your wife?
4: Madeline. Small, dark, rather delicate.
6: Honey, I thought she would be fair.
4: And your husband? What's he like?
6: Medium height, brown hair, kindly, unemotional, and not delicate at all.
4: You said that proudly.
6: (laughs) Did I? (laughs) Well, perhaps I'm just... (laughs) Oh, good heavens, here we are at the station already.
4: Already? I hadn't realized.
6: The walk went so quickly, didn't it? Uh, uh, I imagine this is where we Look
4: here. There's a good ten minutes before my train. Why can't we go in and have a cup of tea? Well... Believe me, you have nothing to worry about. I'll be very happy to pay for my own.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Is tea bad for one?
4: Um, if this is a professional interview, my fee is a guinea.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Why did you become a doctor?
4: Oh, that is a long story. Perhaps because I'm a bit of an idealist.
6: Oh, I think all doctors should have ideals. Otherwise, their work would be unbearable.
4: Oh, now, surely you're not encouraging me to talk shop.
6: Why shouldn't you talk shop?
4: I'm terribly ambitious, really. Not for myself so much, but for my special pigeon.
6: What is your special pigeon?
4: Preventative medicine.
6: Oh. Oh, I see.
4: (laughs) I'm afraid you don't.
6: Uh, Well, I'm just trying to sound intelligent. You see...
4: Most good doctors, especially when they're young, have private dreams. That's the best part of them. Sometimes, though, those get over-professionalized or strangulated. Uh, Am I boring you?
6: I don't quite understand, but you're not boring me.
4: What I mean is this. All good doctors must primarily be enthusiastic. They must have a sense of vocation deep-rooted, unsentimental desire to do good.
6: Yes, yes, I see that.
4: Well, obviously, preventing disease is worth 50 ways of curing it. It's concerned with living conditions and hygiene. For instance, my specialty is pneumoconiosis. Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, don't be alarmed. It's simpler than it sounds. It's nothing but a slow process of fibrosis of the lung. Due to the inhalation of particles of dust.
6: You suddenly look so much younger. Do I? Almost like a little boy. What made you say that? Oh, I don't know. Yes. Yes, I do. Tell me. Oh, no. No, I couldn't really. You were saying something about inhaling dust.
4: Oh, yes. Um... (laughs) The inhalation of coal dust. That's one specific form of the disease. It's called anthracosis.
6: What are the others?
4: Calicosis? That comes from metal dust. Um, steelworks, you know?
6: Yes. Yes, of course. Steelworks.
4: And silicosis. That's stone dust. Uh, Gold
1: mines. I see. The train now arriving on platform three is for Shirley, Lee Green, and Langdon.
6: Oh, there's your train. Yes. You mustn't miss it. No. What's the matter?
4: Uh, um, nothing. Uh, nothing at all, really.
6: It's been very nice. I've enjoyed my afternoon enormously.
4: I'm so glad. So have I. I apologize for boring you with all those long medical terms.
6: Oh, I feel dull and stupid not being able to understand more.
4: Shall I see you again?
6: Your train is the other platform, isn't it? You'll have to run. Shall I see you again? Y- yes, of course. Perhaps you'd come to Ketchworth one Sunday. We'd be delighted to have Please. you... Please. Please. What is it?
4: Next Thursday. The same time. The Cardoma. N-
6: no. No. I couldn't possibly... Please. Please. There's the whistle. You'll miss your train. All right. Run.
4: Goodbye.
6: I'll be there. I'll look for you.
5: Laura? Thank goodness you're back.
6: Fred, what's the matter?
5: It's all right, old girl but you must keep calm and not be upset. What is it? What's wrong? It's Bobby. He was knocked down by the car on the way from school. Oh, no! Nothing serious. He was just grazed by the mud guard. The doctor says he won't even miss one day of school, but he's been asking for you. Laura, you better go up to him.
6: Fred, I felt so awful then, as though the whole thing were my fault, a sort of punishment, a sinister warning. But within the hour, everything had calmed down again. Bobby had gone off to sleep, delighted at being the center of attention, and we were sitting in the library, as usual.
5: Very difficult puzzle tonight, Laura. If I could just get this five-letter word for, I don't know... Fred? Hmm?
6: Fred, I had lunch with a strange man today, and he took me to the movies. Good for you. He's awfully nice. He's a doctor.
5: Very noble profession. Laura, it was Richard III who said my kingdom for a horse, wasn't it?
6: Yes, darling.
5: Well, I wish he hadn't. Spoils four other words.
6: You know, I thought we might ask him to dinner one
5: night. By all means. H- uh, who?
6: Dr. Harvey, the one I was telling you about.
5: Must it be dinner?
6: Well, you're never home for lunch.
5: Exactly. Oh, oh Fred! Laura! <laughs> What on earth's the matter?
6: (laughs) Nothing. It's nothing, Fred. I'm I'm an absolute idiot, worrying myself about things that don't exist and making mountains out of molehills.
5: Of course. (laughs) I told you when you came in, it was nothing serious. Darling, do you know a six-letter word for fate?
6: I felt better then. And the following Thursday, when I went to meet Alec, it was mostly out of politeness, I thought. I waited for an hour at the Gardoma, but he didn't come, and all through the picture I kept thinking about it, wondering if I'd misunderstood, so I left the theater early and went back to the station, and I watched the people come and go, and at last I admitted it to myself, I was waiting for Alec, I wanted to see him. And so I waited on the platform. I waited until his train was ready to leave. He wasn't anywhere in sight. And suddenly a wave of panic swept over me. What if he didn't come at all? What if I never saw him again? I couldn't quite understand myself. I felt empty and lost. But just as I was ready to turn away... Oh, there you are.
4: Then you did come. You did wait.
6: Well, well, I thought perhaps
4: that... My dear, I am so terribly sorry... I was kept at the hospital. The house surgeon had to operate suddenly
6: and Oh, don't bother now. You'll miss your train. I thought of sending a note
4: to the Cardoma, but I thought they might embarrass you. You shouting your name.
6: The whistle. You'll have to hurry.
4: I was simply frantic. I thought I would never see you again.
6: Oh dear, the train! You'll have to run for it. Quick! Next Thursday. Promise? Next Thursday. I promise.
1: Now we're back in the Jessen home again. By that cheerful fire in the library, Fred Jessen still absorbed in his crossword puzzle, Laura still sitting with her thoughts.
6: Fred, darling, if only you could understand. If I only thought I could make you understand. When I went to meet Alec the following Thursday, I told myself it was because I promised. But it's strange. By the Thursday after that, I didn't seem to need an excuse at all.
4: My dear, it's so good to see you again. Really, you don't know what these Thursdays mean to me.
6: What shall we do today? Another picture? There aren't any decent pictures playing. Then we'll go for a walk. The Botanical
4: Gardens. Oh, do you think we should? So many people. Only children there, and it's a lovely day. But I don't... Please, we get so very little sun, I don't think we've any right to waste it.
6: It really was a lovely afternoon, Fred. We took a boat and went rowing on the lake. Alec wasn't very good. He kept rowing around and around in circles. I felt gay and happy and sort of released. A little frightened, too, that I could feel that way. Away from you with a stranger. Then suddenly Alec grew very quiet and stopped rowing and looked at me.
4: Laura. You know what's happened, don't you?
6: Yes, I think I do.
4: I've fallen in love with you. Yes, I know. Tell me honestly. Please, tell me honestly if what I believe is true.
6: What do you believe?
4: That it's the same with you. That you've fallen in love, too.
6: It sounds so silly. Why? I I know you so little.
4: It's true, though, isn't it?
6: Yes, it's true.
4: Oh, Laura...
6: No, Alec, please, please! We must be sensible. Please help me to be sensible. We must forget we've said what we've said.
4: How can we? It's too late for that now. And anyway, whether we've said it or not couldn't have mattered. We know. We've both of us known for a long time.
6: How can you say that? I've only known you for four weeks. We talked for the first time last Thursday week.
4: Last Thursday week? Has it been a long time for you since then? Answer me truly. Yes. How often did you decide that you were never going to see me again?
6: Several times a day.
4: So did I.
6: Oh, Alec.
4: I love you. I love your wide eyes. The way you smile. Your shyness. The way you laugh at my jokes.
6: Please don't. I love you.
4: I love you, and you love me too. It's no use pretending it hasn't happened, because it has.
6: Yes, it has. But it must stop here. We're neither of us free to love each other. There's too much in the way. There's still time if we control ourselves and behave like sensible human beings. There's still time... There's no time at all. You better row us in. We've got to catch our trains. So we went back to the station, and Allah caught his train and I caught mine. Like two civilized, miserable human beings. But it was strange. Once on the train, I wasn't miserable anymore. Suddenly, I felt wildly happy, like a romantic schoolgirl. I stared out the railway carriage window into the dark and watched the dim trees, the telegraph posts sliding by, and through them I saw Alec and me, Alec and me, just a little younger than we are now, but just as much in love and with nothing in the way. I saw us in Paris, in a box at the opera, and then we were in Venice drifting along the Grand Canal in a gondola to the sound of mandolins coming across the waters. I saw us looking over the side of a ship, at the sea and the stars, standing on a tropical beach in the moonlight with palm trees sighing over us. And then... And then the palm trees changed into those pollarded willows by the canal just before the level crossing, and all the silly dreams disappeared. And I got out at Ketchworth and walked home. Quiet, soberly, and without wings. Without any wings at all.
1: Ketchworth, coming into Ketchworth.
6: That brought me sharply back to Earth. By the time I reached home, I'd quite lost my wings. But then later, just as I finished changing for dinner, do you remember, Fred, you came to my room?
5: Good evening, Mrs. Jesson.
6: Hello, dear.
5: Have a good day?
6: Yes, lovely. What did you do? Oh, I shopped and had lunch and went to the pictures.
5: All by yourself?
6: Yes. No, not exactly.
5: What do you mean, not exactly?
6: Well, I went to the pictures by myself, but I had lunch with Mary Norton. She couldn't come to the pictures with me because she had to go and see her in-laws. They live just outside Milford, you know.
5: Haven't seen Mary Norton for ages. How was she looking?
6: Very well, really. A little fatter, I thought.
5: Well, hurry up with all this beautifying, darling. I want my dinner.
6: Oh, Fred, that was a horrible evening for me. I'd lied to you the first time in all our life together. That entire week was a misery. I went through it in sort of a trance. Didn't you ever notice that you were living with a stranger? But Thursday came at last. I had arranged to meet Alec outside the hospital at 12.30. Hello. Hello.
4: I thought you wouldn't come. I've been thinking all week that you wouldn't come.
6: I didn't mean to really, but here I am. We went to the Royal Hotel for lunch. It it seemed very grand. He actually ordered a bottle of champagne, and when I protested, he said we were only middle-aged once. As we were going out together, he said he had a surprise for me. And if I could wait in the lounge for five minutes, he'd show me what it was. But suddenly out of the dining room came that rich, made-up Dolly Messeter. She must have been in the dining room all the time and seen Alec and me and the champagne and everything. Laura,
0: so what was you after all? I peered and peered and just couldn't be sure.
6: I never saw you at all. How awful of me. I expect it was the champagne. I can't drink champagne at all, but Alec insisted. Alec? Alec who, dear? Alec Harvey, of course. Dr. Harvey. Well, surely you remember the Harveys. Oh, I have known them for years.
0: No, I don't think I have met them before. Well,
6: he'll be back in a moment. You'll probably recognize him if you peer very closely. Oh, here he is now. Alec, you remember Mrs. Messeter, don't you?
4: Um, I'm afraid I don't.
0: It's no use, Laura. We've never seen each other before in our lives. I'm sure we haven't.
6: Oh, how absurd. Well, I made certain that he and Madeline were there when you dined with us just before last Christmas.
0: Oh, perhaps. Well, I must be going. Goodbye, Dr. Harvey. Goodbye. Goodbye, my dear. I do so envy you your champagne. (laughs)
6: That was awful. Oh, never mind. She'd been watching us all through lunch. Oh, dear. Oh,
4: forget it. Come out and look at the surprise.
6: No. No, Alec, I'm going home.
4: Oh, but you can't. I've got a little car out there. We'll go for a drive.
6: He had rented a little car. He said it would be nice to drive through the country. He didn't talk very much as we drove along. And then, finally, we stopped at a little bridge. I remember the sun was struggling to come out, and we stood there on the bridge looking down at the water, and I shivered, and Alec put his arm around me. Cold? No, not really. Happy? No, not really. Alec...
4: I know exactly what you're going to say. That it isn't worth it. That the furtiveness and lying outweigh the happiness we might have together. Isn't that it?
6: Something like that.
4: Laura, I want to ask you something. What? It is true for you, isn't it? This overwhelming feeling we have for each other. It's as true for you as it is for me, isn't it?
6: It's true.
4: Oh, my dear. My dear. I love you, Laura. I shall always love you. And I can't look at you now because I must tell you something. I know that this is the beginning of the end. Not the end of my loving you, but the end of our being together. But not quite yet, darling. Not quite yet?
6: No, darling. Not quite yet.
4: I know about the strain of our different lives, our lives apart from each other. And the feeling of guilt, doing wrong, is too strong, isn't it? Too great a price to pay for the happiness that we'd have together. I know all this. It's the same for me, too.
6: You can look at me now. I'll be all right.
4: Let's be careful. Let's prepare ourselves. A sudden break now, however brave or admirable, would be too cruel. We can't do such violence to our hearts and minds. Very well. Laura, I'm going away. I see. But not quite yet.
6: Please, not quite yet.
4: I want you to promise me something. What is it? Promise me that however unhappy you are, and however much you think things over, You'll meet me again next Thursday?
6: Where?
1: Outside the hospital. 12:30.
6: All right. I promise.
1: Train for Ketchworth is now arriving on platform 3.
4: You're not angry with me, are you?
6: No, I'm not angry. I don't think I'm anything really. I I just feel tired.
4: Thursday? Thursday?
6: All that week. Thursday. Thursday. And now today, our very last together in all our lives, I met him. We drove out through the country, and and then we were back, walking through the station. And my mind was saying, This is the last time with Alec. The last time. The last time. Where?
4: A long way away. Johannesburg, South Africa. When? Almost immediately. They're opening a new hospital. They cabled to ask if I could leave by the 10th.
6: Next week? So soon?
4: Do you want me to turn it down? Do you want me to stay?
6: Don't be foolish, Alec. Forgive me. Forgive you for what?
4: For everything. For meeting you. For taking a bit of grit out of your eye. For loving you. For bringing you so much misery.
6: I'll forgive you if you'll forgive me. Hadn't we better be getting back?
4: Yes, we mustn't let you miss your train. Well, three more minutes. That confounded train of mine is always on time. Are you all right, darling?
6: Yes, I'm all right.
4: I wish I could think of something to say.
6: It doesn't matter, not saying anything, I mean. Do you think we shall ever see each other again?
4: I don't know. Not for years, anyway. Couldn't I just write you once in a while?
6: No, Alec, please. You know we promised.
4: All right, dear. But I do love you so much. I love you with all my heart and soul. And I shall always love you until
1: the train now arriving on platform three is for Shirley, lee green and langdon
6: i want to die if only i could die
4: if you die you'll forget me i want to be remembered
6: we still have a few minutes alec your train it's it's here it's here
0: laura a lovely surprise Oh, I've been shopping till I'm dropping. My feet are nearly falling off and my throat's parched.
6: Dolly, you remember Dr. Harvey? Oh, yes, of
0: course. How do you do? There's your train.
4: Yes, uh, I know.
0: Aren't
6: you coming with us?
4: No. I go in the opposite direction. Uh, My practice is in Shirley.
6: Oh, I see. Dr. Harvey's going to Africa next week. Oh, how thrilling. I must go. Yes, you must go. Goodbye. I felt the touch of his hand on my shoulder for a moment. Then he walked away, away out of my life forever. I prayed he'd come back, pretending he'd forgotten something, anything. I wanted to see him again, just for an instant. The minutes went by and... And I thought I wouldn't be able to bear it
0: another moment. I've been meaning to pop in, but Tony's had measles, you know? And then I had that awful fuss over Phyllis. But of course, you don't know, my dear. She left me. Mind you, I never cared for her much. But still, Tony did. Tony adored her. But I've always said it doesn't pay to.
6: Dolly me. Messeter garrulous, well-meaning Dolly Messiner. Crashing in on my last few moments with Alec. She chattered away, but I scarcely heard her. I was listening for his train to start. And then it did. I said to myself, he didn't go. He changed his mind. He'll come back in a moment. I'll see him again. But the moments passed and he didn't come back. And finally I heard Dolly saying... Isn't that the express going through? I excused myself somehow and walked out onto the platform. I meant to do it, Fred. I really meant to. I stood there trembling on the very edge. I meant to do it, Fred, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. I wish I could say it was the thought of you and the children that prevented me, but it wasn't. I had no thought at all, only an overwhelming desire not to feel anything ever again, not to be unhappy anymore, and then the express was gone, and I turned, and I went inside to where Dolly was finishing her tea, and that's when I nearly fainted.
5: Laura? Laura?
6: What? Yes, dear.
5: Whatever your dream was, it wasn't a very happy one, was it? No. No. Is there anything I can do to help?
6: Yes, Fred. You always help.
5: You've been a long way away. Thank you for coming back to me.
6: Oh, Fred. Fred! Hold me close. Hold me close.
1: Tonight's Talking Information Center Radio Theater's production of The Art of Love was performed by the following radio and podcast players. The Garden of Eden featured Jennifer Love as Eve, George Crine as Adam, and Grant Baxter as the Snake. Brief Encounter featured Pan Murphy as Laura Jessen, Mark Cregan as Alec Harvey, Brian Kling as Fred Jessen, and Allison Davies as Dolly Messeter and the Waitress. Both shows were soundscaped and directed by Joe O'Connor and engineered by John Shea, with assistance from Elizabeth Vandenberg and Lorraine Batelli. Additional sound effects and music were provided by Freesound. This program is only made possible through the generous support of the Talking Information Center's volunteers, sponsors, and donors. This evening's show was sponsored by the Bridgewater Cultural Council and the Duxbury Cultural Council. That concludes tonight's performance, which will join two dozen other radio theater productions available for streaming on the special programming page at TICnetwork.org. And to take us out, uh, Jennifer Love's going to read a poem.
2: Driftwood, a euphemism by Jennifer Love. I once was a tree admired by all. I grew in a forest and stood very tall. But one day was felled and thrown out to the sea. Forever I drifted, it felt like to me. I baked in the sun and was cleansed by the rain. Then at last came to rest on the sandy terrain. Now far from the place where I had once grown, tattered on a wood heap was where I was thrown. Then you came along and chose me with care. You gave me a purpose and a new life to share. Though I grew from a whole tree as simply a part, I've now found revival from the whole of your heart. soulmate you are my day and you are my night you're my sun my moon my stars so bright no matter what position in life we may be with no one but you would rather i be tempests may rise thunder might roar but through life's rages my love will endure you're deep in my heart and you're of my soul you fill me up and make me whole last one <laughs> best place of all i want to go where the monkeys swing up high in the jungle trees or climb aboard a very tall ship and explore the seven seas i'd like to ride on a camel's hump and watch the sunrise o'er the dunes or take a trip in my own spaceship and land on saturn's eight moons there are so many spots i could choose each adventure would be something new but i'll always return to the best place of all right here Sitting with you.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. On behalf of our cast and the Talking Information Center, this is your announcer, Joe O'Connor, saying thank you for tuning in. And that, dear listeners, is what we call a wrap.